Men and women think about things in various ways. However, that doesn't imply that their differences are intrinsic. Men typically struggle with relationship problems, parenting troubles, imposter syndrome, anxiety, depression, etc. They choose not to talk about it. It manifests itself in various ways. And it's about time to prioritize and erase the stigma of having a mental health issue. Tune in to the Dominate Your Market podcast as Elise Michaels offers help and advice for men who require assistance. Welcome to the Dominate Your Market podcast where we interview leaders, CEOs, founders, and high-impact business development professionals to get their insights on how you can grow your business efficiently, build an amazing company, and still have a life. Today's guest is Elise Michaels. Elise is a men's mental health coach helping men heal from subconscious trauma. Great to have you on the show, Elise. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm super, I'm super excited. And I was so intrigued when I came across your LinkedIn, but give our listeners a little bit of background of kind of where you've come from and you know how you got to where you're at now. Yeah. So I actually started my business on LinkedIn where you found me uh, three years ago, right before the pandemic, I was posting video content. And the reason I'm a coach for men is because when I posted the video content, only men reached out to me for help. So I was confused by that myself. Um, but then I realized that men didn't really have a lot of support when it came to mental health. So about six months later, I just fully dove into the problems that men were going through, how they learned, how they processed things and dedicated myself to being a coach for men. So that was three years ago. And here we are today. Well, you know, that's interesting because part of me as a man would say the response from men to you is you're young and attractive. That would be that would be my my male my male guess at this would be like well you're young you're attractive so you post on on LinkedIn and the men are going to obviously go right to you but they went to you and DM'd you for help is what you're saying yeah that's awesome so, so it was not a there's a lot of weird stuff going on in LinkedIn I'm sure as you, I'm sure you you get some of that I get some of that actually well it was never creepy you know so I okay, everybody good. assumes that but like I don't I just must be really <laughs> fortunate or like you guys are beefing me up more than I deserve because I don't get a bunch of creeps but I also think it depends on what is the content that you're putting out there because in the beginning when I posted I did not care about <laughs> my image at all I would post it like when I was working out outside like in gym clothes just just a message like from the universe or a lesson or a tip, right? So um, I never got responses like that, I think, because I never gave off the energy of seeking that sort of attention. Well, I think you make a good point right there. I think there's a lot of, I, I, it's funny, I have lots of uh, DM conversations with good friends of mine on LinkedIn. And my, my guess is, it seems like a lot of people have moved over from Instagram to LinkedIn. And taking all their th thirsty pictures and you know, and I've unfollowed any, anytime I see that, I don't care who they are. I unfollow them right away because I don't want to see that in my feed. It's a business platform, right? So, so if you gave off the vibe of totally professional, there you go. That makes total sense then, right? Right. Well, and you know, I can't hate on people for that because they're gaming the system. Oh, for sure. Right. Oh, yeah. Because that's, yeah. I mean, I've posted selfies too, not in like a, I think that people, they, they walk the very fine line, right? They'll post a selfie and it's smiling and nice, but it's not like risque. Right. Right. But it's just like, right. okay, but what is the point of posting a selfie in the first place? But women know it'll get attention. Right. And that's like the sad thing about that. But 
um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're just playing the game. So, so, so tell me, um, since you've been working with men, what, like, how does it feel for you? Like, do you, um, do you, do you thoroughly enjoy it? Um, do you work with people outside of men or is it, is it like, like what percent of your clientele are men? A hundred percent of my clientele are men. Okay. Cause I read on a LinkedIn post that it said even like women and children or something like that, or maybe on your website, but, but, but so right now you're hundred percent men. Yes. In in the very beginning, like the first, you know, six months or so I had women clients. Like I was just trying to figure out what, what I was doing. Essentially I wasn't full on for men yet. Um, but for two years, it's mostly just been uh, men. And so what's your experience been, you know, being a female and kind of working directly with strong success driven men? What, what, what is that? Uh, what's that experience like for you? I mean, is that, is that, um, would you have ever imagined doing what you're doing? And then what, what's it like doing it? Well, no, I would have never imagined that I would be doing what I'm doing. Um, it wasn't something hmm. I first set out to do, That's but now that I'm doing it, like I love it and I couldn't imagine doing anything different. Right. It's just one of those things that I kind of fell into, but was also feels like it was meant to be because I love working with men. Um, it's been awesome. And when you say, when you say you love working with men, why, why is that? What's the reason behind that? Because you get to, because I get to see a side of them. I don't know who else does, but I get to see a side of them that the rest of the world doesn't necessarily see, you know, you get to see the more vulnerable side. You get to see the the side that's in pain, the side that's struggling and helping someone through that who really doesn't feel support from anybody else. It's a very beautiful thing to be able to support someone in that way, you know, and then knowing that they usually have children, the clients that I work with, it's beautiful to see them be able to show up better for themselves so they can show up better for their children. And that's really like, that's my main goal is to help the next generation of children not have to suffer from parents who just aren't aware of their own pain. Now, what percent of your clientele would you say uh, these men are divorced? Because that, Actually, that's, a, that's a curious, I'm curious about that statistic because I, I can guess what it is, but tell me what, for you, what's your experience? I haven't taken a oh like a guess. Just make a I guess. haven't taken a test on this, right? I don't want to be inaccurate, even though the results oh, are probably no, just, just, no, just 90% of my clients are married but struggling in their marriage on the edge of divorce. Mm. They are like emotionally divorced because they are yeah. struggling so much. And sometimes they just need a push to make a decision to go. Or like, you know, if you're usually when men enter into a coaching or a therapy, they're at rock bottom. Right. So if you have like a good coach or therapist who helps you learn a lot of things, either it saves your marriage or it helps it to, to end it. It helps to close yeah. the casket. Right. So same thing kind of unfortunately happens with my clients, either the relationship gets a lot better or it finally just has its end. Now, now what would, if, if you were to ask your clients, what would be the main reason they hire you? Like from an emotional standpoint, what would, would they blurt out a certain, like, it's this, it's, it's a certain thing, or is it like spread out as far as what's their motivation to actually take the plunge and hire you? With what you're asking, because all of my content is video, what they resonate, it's, it's what they resonate with when they meet mm. the video content that I have. So oh, sometimes they'll resonate either with a relationship piece of content or a purpose and passion piece of content, because they either feel stuck in their relationships or they feel mm. stuck in their mission in life. Right. Oh, that, that, that's interesting. Okay. So, so the videos have really 
kind of converted well for you in the sense of people are watching the video and they're taking action. That's yeah, because awesome. I, I speak to a place where it puts words and understanding where they haven't heard it before. But since it's kind of like a variety of different things that can cause trauma in your life, different people connect with different videos, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, that's why I can't nail one specific thing, but yeah. really something mainly that they all struggle with is relationships and emotions. They don't know how to handle them within their themselves and they don't know how to navigate them in relationships. They're usually fixers. They're usually, you know, mm -hmm. they're problem solvers. And then they, you know, I think we mentioned this before we started doing all this, they self-medicate by becoming workaholics or alcoholics like because they can't handle what's inside, they try to control everything outside. Well, you know, it's interesting because I've read a lot of books on women because I'm divorced, right? So I wanted to understand the female nature, right? And what an eye-opener that was. Um, I've read like a dozen books and um, there's lots of books for, and what, I, what I'm seeing in, in the, the marketplace now is that there is an awakening for men right now. Um, and it's, it's, it's growing crazy, right? Uh, YouTube books are coming out now. Um, because I think there's a narrative out there and I don't want to get into this too much, um, but um, men have been suppressed for several decades now, pushed down, actually pushed down, right, by the narrative out there. And um, I think men, we, we, have, we, we were raised to identify with success. That, that's what we were raised for. We were raised to be successful and you've made it. You're the man. You are the man, Right. And then like what you do for your clients, the other stuff we're fucking up on. It's like, you know, but, but like, well, I'm successful. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's the deal? I, you know, my marriage is broken. You know, I, my, I, my relationship with my kids is not good, but, but, you know, I'm a multimillionaire. I'm successful. That's what I, that's what everybody told me I, I have to do. So what would you say to that, that, you know, this, and, and you're a lot younger than I am, but that narrative of, you know, the generation, my generation, for sure. And I even think the younger ones, for that matter, you know, young men, you know, be successful, go make that money, go climb the corporate ladder, right? At all cost. Yeah, I mean, I would totally agree. That's, that's exactly what happens, right? People come and sit in the chair in front of you. And they're like, on paper, I have everything. And why do I feel so empty or unfulfilled? And like, I can't imagine the next 40 years of my life, just clocking in and clocking out, right? Um, so I, I would totally agree with you. And we do seem to be in an awakening for men, um, which is like a very good thing. The only problem that I see in society always takes everything to extremes. Sure. Right. So there are people who really support men opening up, but they take it to the extreme of they they shouldn't be breadwinners and they should um, you know feel their feelings and become very emotional to the point where the other extreme of that is they're trying to change men into women and don't be like that and find a woman who's going to be submissive to you and change them back to like the 1950s housewife and no women are wives anymore. Right. I see so many extremes out there. It's like people don't understand that there's a middle ground where right. you can be very successful and yet still understand how to navigate your own emotions so that you can have a healthy life right? You don't have to transform into a woman who like bakes pies and like wears an apron. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting. I think for men, I think men have gone through this phase of confusion, like literally confusion, like, okay, like even to like to, to women, what do you want? And I'm not saying that from me, by the way, but what do you want? Like, okay, I, I, I became successful, but now I'm a dick. Now I'm an asshole. Well, what, but now I went the other way. 
Now I cry every so often. Now I do this. Well, I'm too soft for you. Now. And that's, this is not me, by the way. This is not me speaking. But, but a lot of men, I've even talked to men that are like, you know, oh, my, my, my partner, my wife, you know, she thinks I'm too soft. Well, shit. Okay. What do you do here? Right. I mean, what does a man do if he's told, you know, you know, be vulnerable, express your feelings, do all that stuff. And if a man does and drop, drops his guard a little bit and then gets chewed up and spit out, you know, by a woman, then he's not going to ever do that again. Like, you know, uh, men are very, very strong in that point that, no, that ain't working. That's not going to happen again. Well, two things on that. So first of all, when I have clients who come to me with that mentality, I want you to realize it's not about what the other person wants and you having to constantly readapt your identity, right? That's why you're so confused because you don't even have your own identity. You're just like, what do you want? And I'm just going to go with that wave. Like, no wonder why you're so lost and miserable because you're, it's like what society wants from men or women changes like a fashion trend. Like some years leather jackets are in some years, they're hideous, right? Some years it's trendy to be skinny. Some years it's trendy to have a big booty, right? You can't make your happiness rely on the ever-changing opinion of a person that you might be in love with. You have to settle within yourself. What is success to me? What is happiness to me? How do I identify as a man? How can I be solid in that? And how can I find a partner who grows with me? Or how can I have such strong boundaries that I'm willing to say, hey, that's like not appropriate here. You know, right? Like take the power and control back into yourself as a man. And number two, when men usually finally decide to release their emotions, right? They're just starting to come to a place where they're becoming comfortable with it, but they don't realize they haven't chosen a healthy partner to release those emotions to. So of Ooh. course that partner is not going to be ready for whatever, but then they get hurt by it, like you said, and blame the whole of women. Women are so toxic. Women don't care. Mm. You didn't choose the right person because when you chose them, you were in an unhealthy place of adapting to everybody else's needs. So of course, you changed the rules of the container, but you didn't change the container. That's, pr right? that's, pretty, so like, that's pretty good. So you have to take a step back and realize, oh my God, like if, if you hmm. release your emotions to someone and they don't accept it, now you're taking that as a personal offense. Once again, yeah. you're readapting your personality to adjust to the world. Instead of just showing up in strength and saying, I am who I am. That person doesn't belong in my bubble. Not, oh my God, I have to change myself because that person didn't accept me, right? And I'm going to find someone instead who accepts this flow or helps me navigate what the appropriate amount is, right? Because some people don't deserve to hear our story. And sometimes it's not appropriate to say everything to our partner. That's why we have therapists. That's why we have coaches. Third parties have tools to help us work through these things. That's, pre that's pretty good. I like that. That's That was very, very good right there. Um, so... As far as like um, when you got this high driving CEO man, um, let's say he doesn't want to own up to what he's what he's what he's going through, right? And, and own up to it might not be the right word, but he doesn't want to admit it. Doesn't want to come to realization of it. So, what would you say to that CEO that's listening, that is in that situation, um, but doesn't maybe doesn't want to expose himself yet, and not really to to the public, but even just to like a therapist, to a coach? He's just like you know, just what's like a first step that they could do, you know, to, to start going in the right direction. I'm going to give an answer. You're probably not going to like, 
Um, if you're someone who knows you're struggling and you don't want to own up to it, you don't want to take responsibility for it. You don't even want to talk to anybody about it. The only thing I would say to you is how much longer are you willing to suffer? Because the only way that you could ever do anything different is by acknowledging that something needs to be different. And usually if you're an executive CEO, you work really hard. Okay. You've probably read the books. You've probably done the podcast. You probably do self-care. You go to the gym, take care of yourself. If you could have solved it by now by yourself, you would have solved it. So there is something happening that you can't see. So you can't solve. So stop beating your head against the wall and get a third party perspective. I think that men have a, a huge resistance to this because it, we label it as getting help, but men are invested all the time in coaching and mentoring. And like yeah. some of the oh, most yeah. influential people in a man's life is a coach, right? So don't think of it in that way as getting help. Think of it as seeing what you can't see to improve, to get better, to move forward. Yeah, I, I think men, when it comes to like therapy for themselves, not for business, but for themselves, they, they view it as being very weak. They're weak, uh, you know, and, and most, most successful men would not ever want to admit to being weak. So they're going to be like, no, fuck that. I'm not, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. That's, you know, I'm, I'm successful. I'm doing my thing, whatever. I got this big company. I'm not doing that. Well, listen, you are weak in that area. You're not strong in that area. You don't have the tools. You can't go, you can't like go to the gym and have muscles the first day. Every man knows really? this, all right? Really? You know, you got these little stick arms. It takes time to build those muscles up. And at first, when you go to the gym and you have like, if you're a noodle, right? You feel freaking ashamed, right? But like, you can't help it. You don't have the tools. You weren't born with these genetics where you just popped out of the womb with muscles, but you know, if you do the work, you're going to get there. And it's, it's the exact same thing for, for emotions. It doesn't mean you're useless, right? I think we equate being weak to like not being man enough or being mm -hmm. useless instead of just looking at it as an example, like the gym, like, oh, this is just an area I haven't trained yet. I don't have the tools for this yet. I don't know the routine for this yet. Once you get it, you got it, you know, but the, the more you hide something about yourself because you're afraid, the, the longer you stay weak in that area and the more it pulls you down and holds you back. So here's a question for you. Um, cause I considered doing it here in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and I probably will do it in January, but having a get together of kind of success driven men, like I call it beer and biz, have, having beer and, and talking business and, and kind of a safe place for men to go to, right? To where they, they can drop their, it's not a huggy kissy thing or cry thing, nothing like that, but it's more of like a, a, they feel safe to be able to talk more openly, right? And if they talk more intimately about situations and so be it, but what do you think about situations like that? Because I feel like that's gonna become more popular in the years to come is these men's organizations, these men's get togethers. And, and they're, they're going on now. You can get online and see them. There's a couple of extreme ones. There's one in particular, I don't wanna say the name of it. It looks pretty good, but it's just weird. It's just super weird, but I mean, I would never do it. But, but, it's, it's, um, but I, think, I think that kind of a, a setting, like a group setting sometimes for like-minded like men to get together, um, you know, that high masculine level, that high testosterone level of guys getting together and just chilling out, like just, just shooting the shit, drinking a couple of beers. What do you think about something like that? Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, it's super healthy for men to get together. Um, men need ma male friends. 
a lot of men, if they have a lot of emotions they haven't confronted, will tend to go towards, excuse me, women. Um, and then they reject the masculine, right? But a lot of men don't like to have male friends because the masculine rejects each other, right? So a lot of men don't feel supported by other men. They feel really? rejected. So the only thing that uh, in a vulnerable way, absolutely. I mean, you know, like they're afraid they're going to be called a pussy or, you know, like man up or like their guy friends don't have the tools to support them emotionally. So they're just like, oh, that mm. sucks, bro. And it kind of, that's as deep as it gets. Right. Mm. But a female will like ask questions and oh, support yeah. you and be like, oh my God. Right. It's like that validation that you kind of need and that you're looking for. Um, and the only thing I would say about the event specifically that you just mentioned is having having a safe place and then also involving alcohol kind of perpetuates the beers with tears and that men can only be vulnerable when when a substance is involved right mm. and i would like to encourage men to be vulnerable outside of that because that's what leads into alcoholism right like it's the only place where they feel like they can let go and i would encourage men to let go around each other without substances oh that's a good point that's a very very good like point. play basketball or something i don't yeah. know yeah, yeah, or do, do like a like a road trip or something. Yeah, that's that's you know it's interesting because I'm not a big drinker myself, but I was just thinking the environment of let's meet at a bar, let's just hang out. Just you were thinking out. of the stereotypical bro meetup, but like that's not something that you actually want to perpetuate. You just said you don't even really drink, right? So get together a bunch of guys who don't necessarily really like drinking, but they think it's okay because that is the man thing to do. Okay, right? how about if, how about if, I'm, I'm a big hiker. How about if I take him on, on a hike, dude? Hit hit a big hike. Yeah, that sounds good. It's like that, you know, that is going towards the way of the change, right? Yeah. Well, that physical release too, right? I mean, yeah. I, I think In a nature. lot of nature. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of I think a lot of executive. Well, all my clients in my entire life, I've worked with hundreds of CEOs in my lifetime and a previous life as a private fitness trainer. So I was going in in the home of these multimillionaires. These guys are worth. 60 million, $80 million. And I was like 28, 30 years old, um, going into their home, training them on fitness privately, just one-on-one. -on -one. And these guys, you know, one guy I'll never forget, just sold this company and people have probably called a small company, but $120 million he sold it for. He became instantly worth $70 million, 70 million, right? He was written up in the newspapers, covered the newspapers in my hometown or in a big city. I'm not gonna say that city because, but it's been a long time. Anyways, so he gets my name and says, I want you to train me. So I go into his home and I knock on this door, this $5 million home. And this was a long time ago. So that home probably now would be 20 million. It was, it was a beautiful home. Opens this big door and he's just broken. Absolutely broken. And yet in this newspaper, he's the poster child, full blown poster child. Like this guy could do no wrong, man, successful, big grin on his face. And I go inside his home, you know, and that's, I think you and I are in the same um, service in the sense of confidentiality and privacy. I knew right then and there when I started training those guys, because once I got him, I got about 10 other ones. They all told their buddies about me. So I was training like 10 high powered CEOs in their homes. Well, I knew very quickly privacy, confidentiality, you know, you don't say a word about anything, right? Well, exactly. But also, I just love how you bring this up too, right? Because I'm sure this happens to everyone. My ex was a personal trainer as well. And oh, you got everybody uses personal trainer guys. They're just, they're just dogs. 
no, 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 no. Like when you go to personally train someone, you're never just talking about the exercise. You become the therapist, just like a barber becomes a therapist or the masseuse becomes a therapist. And I don't think that men or women realize that instead of going straight to the source, they will go sideways, right? Oh, I'm getting a personal trainer, but actually what they needed was someone to talk to. And that's why you had 10 other executives to train. I, I doubt they got the best body in the world, not because of your training, but because that's not what they really wanted, right? right. They wanted an excuse to be able to talk to someone. Well, you know, that's interesting too, because it's, it's so, I find it fascinating that I'm full circle with CEOs again in my career when it was over 25 years ago that I was training these, these guys in their home. And here I'm training, I'm basically training the same guys, but on the business development side now, right? So now- but, but still, even that yellow book you see right there, um, the whole first part of the book is health, well-being, mindset, because I believe so strongly in that. And so, you know, my dream is to take all my, my background and work with clients on all that stuff, the health, the fitness, the mindset stuff, right? Because without that, I have a quote at the back of my book, don't let your, your job or your company put you in your grave right? Because these guys, they'll work 68 hours a week. And like you said, drink, probably some of them still smoke. I don't know who smokes nowadays, but I think some probably still do. So very unhealthy guys, right? They're going to die way younger. And so what is all that really worth if, you, if you've taken off 10 or 15 years of your life? Well, that's the thing too, is you said it in the beginning, when men are living their lives, they're not living for themselves. They're living to fulfill a societal role. And that's why we have the quote unquote midlife crisis because they wake up to, holy shit, I haven't lived a single day of my life for me. And so that's why I put a lot of video content out there to try to awaken men at a younger age um, to the fact that like, if once you start living for yourself, not in a selfish way, in a, in a very real way that helps you navigate who you are so that you can be a good partner, so that you can be a good employee or boss or CEO, because you know actually how to manage your time. You know actually how to measure mm. your own emotional thermometer, right? And control those things as opposed to the control that we say you have, which is really just shoving everything down, not looking at it so that right. it will blow up at a certain point in time because- your wife is angry because you never spend any time at home or when you're at home, you're not present. Your kids don't even care if you're home or not because you're not spending any time with them. You're not going to their recitals. You, you can't just make up for all this crap by buying them things, right? That, Man, that's we really went down a dark hole there. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, but it's real. It's real. And, it's and that's, real. And that's, that's the, the, my podcast has got to be real and authentic. It's got to be it's not this fluffy robotic shit, you know? So uh, one thing I'll ask you that you just said a second ago, that's really important. You said you've shot in video for younger men. It, is that, it, did I get that correctly? That some of your video is, is targeted for younger men, almost, almost like on an educational level kind of thing. So I draw inspiration from the clients that I have, which are older men, right? Like late forties, fifties yeah. plus who have lived this life of kind of like experience and more or less regrets, right? And that's what I say. And my younger male audience, I, you know, hope will see that mm. and 
prevent them from engaging because they're at the start, right? They're at the start of this life oh of trying to live the success. Yep. Um, so it's kind of like a mix. So the older audience can resonate because they've gone through it, but the younger audience can resonate because they're starting to do it. You know, what's interesting though, um, and I have a son who's 27, but um, so the younger generation, and I don't want to sound like some old crotchety guy, but the younger generation, a lot of them, um, you know, the, the great resignation, quiet quitting, all these things are happening out there, right? Where the older generation looks at the younger generation, like, do you even want to work? Do you, do you, do you really even have any goals? Do you have any drive? What do you want to do, right? And it's, it's, it's not a, an asshole type question. It's almost a curious question because for my generation, it really was success, success, go for it, crush it, keep going, keep going. And then the younger generation kind of seems like, oh, I don't really care. I don't really care. So that dynamic alone is different than my generation right there. So it's almost kind of like they're not headed down the path of going through what I went through or what men my age go through of that kind of you put all your effort into your, your business and then you're, you know, because, you know, my ex-wife would tell you the same thing that I wasn't present, that all I talked about was business 24 seven business, business, business. Right. And my kids would say now I was there for my kids. Right. But because I worked for myself always. Right. But it's still you're not really present. You're not really there. And they know it. They know it. You know, even as young kids, they know that you're not there. So I think the younger generation of men, it's interesting that it's cool that, that you kind of you're, you're taking you're extracting the information from your clients and then kind of putting it back out there for the younger men. I just wonder if the younger men, if, if they even have the drive. Now, I can't generalize across the board, but do they even have the drive that like my generation has of like really wanting to be because even my son, for example, he just had a child. Um, he's climb, climbing the corporate ladder. But I asked him the other day, I go, you know, do you like your job? Eh. And I said, and, and I, he says, you know, dad, I could, I could, I could work or not work like that. And, and, and my first thought was, you just had a child, boy. You just had a child. You got to work now. Like you got to put on the big boy pants and work because you, they've got 18 years of commitment of a child. Now his wife works too. But just to hear him say that was, that's my thought, is the younger generation doesn't seem to really care. Yeah, they have a different way of thinking for sure. Um, but we have to, you know, if you want to be open-minded, realize that it's just different circumstances. And every generation has this problem where it's like the older generation always judges the new generation based on the circumstances they grew up with. Right. Mm. So like our parents grew up like in World War Two and suffered and the Great <laughs> Depression and every day and everything was like it was OK to beat your kids. And that was like how you discipline people. And so that generation is like, oh, you had it so much easier. I had to walk uphill and snow both yeah. ways. Right. It was like we we worked all day in the coal mines for 10 cents. And you're like, oh, my God, like they just complain about everything. They don't understand our our pains. Right. But then we look at the next generation like, oh, my God, you have no problems. We had so many problems, right? So I think we fall into this trap of judging based upon an experience we can't understand. And who's to say that they should want to work? You literally just spent 40 minutes talking about how you wasted a lot of your life only working and how people regret working for 40 years of their life. So why do we all of a sudden judge the next generation on the fact that they don't want to work? Maybe they're having a new sense of freedom that we didn't have, right? Yeah. Why well, can't well, well, they why can't they live that life? Who's to say he can't make money to support his child in a different way? 
Yeah, well, you know, everybody makes their choice to live the way that they want to live. And I do think that the younger generation is more open-minded to that work-life balance. Um, you know, I mean, like, not my generation for sure, but, but a lot of people stayed in their jobs for 30 years. Like, that's unheard of nowadays, right? Like, nobody, not even a fraction of that. You know, three years is a big deal. So I think a lot, you know, this job jumping and all the things that people are doing now. But I agree with you that that it's not so much wanting to judge or judging people. I'm more curious. I'm just very curious. Like, wow. Like when he said that to me, I really I didn't judge him. He's my kid. I love him. Right. But I thought, man, you know, he he just had a child, literally had a child three months ago. So it's like, ooh. That's a, that's a financial responsibility. But, you know, I guess in a way, as a parent even, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. And you have to back off as a parent and just be like, he's got it. Let him do what he does, right? Because my, my mom, who's now gone, she would always say it to me. She said, oh, you always figure it out. Find out a way to figure it out. You always do. So my mom never, ever pushed me or pressed me. You know, I would call her up with some bad situations, like business-wise or whatever, and she'd be like, you always figure it out. And, and, and you know, that, that's a pretty amazing thing, right? No judging, no lecturing, just you'll, you'll, you always figure it out. And, and I think that's what we want to hear, right? Right. I mean, it's the best way to empower people. And going back to, you know, our clients within relationships, this is a trap that men fall into where instead of saying something like that to our spouse, we go, how can I fix it for you? Let me do that for you. Right. We don't allow them to figure it out because we feel like we need them to need us in order to feel mm. worthy of the love that they share. Right. And so the the next generation is just it's just so great. And you talk about like dedication and loyalty to a company. You tell me what company is actually still around for 30 years from now, because oh, we boy. live in a very unstable economy. There there are startups everywhere that die within a year, die within a year, die within a year. Like things are changing so rapidly now. Yep. I don't, I think it creates a very opportunistic thought process of like, I need to jump ship. It's kind of like creating a survival mentality, right? Because things are disappearing. There is nothing steady for us to rely on. So it's kind of like, we kind of have to fend for ourselves and, and maybe you're not judging, but I think we do get judged a lot by the older generation for being like that. But I don't think people realize we don't really have a choice, but to be creative and do weird stuff to, to earn a living now. Well, well, I also think when you look at the corporations, all the big ones laying off thousands and thousands of people, there really is no loyalty from yeah. the company. Yeah. And I don't, I can't say that across the board. There's probably amazing companies out there, but when you hear the big ones, 1,500 people laid off, 2,000 people laid off, Twitter, Meta, all this stuff, people are sensing that and going, you know what? Then screw it, screw it. I'll do my own thing, and I'll have a side mm -hmm. hustle. I'll go here. I'll go there. And for that, I've always been an entrepreneur, so I, I respect that. I do respect that. I, I have no judgment on anybody that wants to do their own thing, go on their own. I think that's amazing. But going back to you, um, and let's wrap this up. So how can people contact you that uh, hear this or maybe get to your LinkedIn and maybe want to you know, have a, a call with you? Um, give our listeners any information you have. Yeah, so I can be reached pretty much on any social media platform. The best is just go to my website, www.elisemichaels.com. M-I-C-H-E-A-L-S. It's spelled good, a little bit differently. That's a, that's a good name. I like my that heels. name. <laughs> um, and just apply via the contact form because right now I'm all booked up throughout the end of the year. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to chat with anyone. Happy to 
accompany anyone on their journey, let's say. Well, in LinkedIn for sure, right? Because I mean, LinkedIn you've got a good presence sure. on LinkedIn and, and a, lot of, a lot of our our clients are almost identical and yes. they're all on LinkedIn. So, I mean, definitely they can look you up on LinkedIn for sure. We should do a collaboration. We should do we something. Should, we should, we should. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, my clientele are exactly same. It's the same men for sure. So, well, and even my background with fitness and all of that, I mean, I've just dealt with the mental side for a long, long time with these guys. I mean, and it really shocked me. It did shock me that these guys plastered all over newspapers, right? You know, magazine covers. You go in their home, shut the door, and it's like, whoa, mm -hmm. holy crap. You know, the, the wife's in the corner over there. She's upset. She's not talking to him. And he's, it's craziness, total craziness. But thank you so much. Let's stay in touch for sure. But I do appreciate you taking the time out of your day to get on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You've just listened to the Dominate Your Market podcast with CEO business consultant and author, Michael Peterson. Growth-minded CEOs hire Michael to explode their revenues, build an amazing company, and create a transformational mindset that encapsulates growth, success, and ultimately, happiness. His book, Dominate Your Market, is creating quite a stir in the marketplace. Go to dominateyourmarketbook.com and get your first chapter free.